In partnership with Paizo, the No Direction Network welcomes you to our PaizoCon Online 2023 seminar coverage. Oh, hey, there's everybody. Uh, welcome, everybody, uh, here at the panel. And uh, we'll be talking today, the next hour, about upcoming Pathfinder adventures. Uh, my name is James Jacobs. I'm the narrative creative director at Paizo uh, for Pathfinder. That means I'm kind of the creative director for all of the adventure content. Uh, Adventure paths, uh, org play scenarios, standalone adventures, uh, all of that shenaniganry. Um, off the top, right here, there will be spoilers in this uh, panel about upcoming adventures in Adventure Pass. We'll try to keep them relatively light. Um, if there's time at the end, we'll uh, have time to answer a few questions from the, the Twitch stream. Uh, but with uh, that in mind, let's uh, introduce our esteemed and talented panelists. Hello, I'm Vanessa Hoskins. I'm a developer on the narrative team. Uh, of the adventures we're talking about today, I got to assist with the Sky King's Tomb, and everything else I've worked on has not yet been announced. <laughs> Hi, I'm John Compton. I'm a senior developer working on the Pathfinder Adventure Path line, um, working on I mean, Sky King's Tomb and maybe a little bit of some other stuff that we're talking about, but I've been working on adventures, setting, and even Starfinder for quite a while now. And I'm Adam Daigle. I'm director of game development. And while I am primary, while I do less and less primary development these days, I did have my hand in about three or four of the things we're talking about today. Yay! All right, well, let's get on into it. Um, to start with, uh, the, let me talk a little bit about Stolen Fate. The Stolen Fate Adventure Path is kind of in mid-release right now. Uh, the final volume is coming up really soon. This is an adventure path where uh, you are basically protecting fate itself. A bunch of bad actors, troublemakers have figured out how to use a powerful um, deck of magic cards, and they're using it to try to build their own future, you know, custom tailored to uh, uh, what they want and their bad guys. So you don't want that to happen. So as the campaign begins, you end up with these four mysterious cards show up in your character's uh, belongings and from there you have to basically track them all down these 54 cards are scattered all over the place and you'll see here in this art there's like here's somebody either handing you cards or maybe more likely snatching cards out of your grasp while you're distracted fighting an astrodamon um like they do so um uh this one is a three-part adventure path for uh 11th level to 20th level the first one is called the choosing it's already out by Ron Lundin. Second one is by Chris Sims. It's called uh, Destiny War. That one just recently came out. Last one is Luis Loza, uh, The Worst of All Possible Worlds. And that's uh, the finale. One of the fun things about that one is at the end of that one, your characters have hopefully defeated this whole plot and have got control of uh, these magic cards. And you'll be able to perform this powerful divination and maybe find out some hints about what's coming for Galarian. And uh, there's about a paragraph that sort of stealthily maybe not so stealthily maybe uh broadcast some of the upcoming storylines we've got uh for the adventure path line and standalone mentors and org play and lore books and everything like that so um it's a it's a pretty it's like i said the high level adventure path goes all over the place different planes different demi-planes you have your own sort of uh demi-plane hangout that you can construct and uh just in we've got this fancy new hero deck that will be it's it's all shiny uh, this new deluxe hero deck uh, will uh, really be helpful in this game because, or even hero deck, of course, because as your characters find these cards, uh, they each they're each a magic item, and they each have a power that your character can gain and manipulate and all that. And you can have a hand of up to five of these cards, and um, keeping track of which ones your character has is really easy. If you have this hero deck, it's this got this little magnetic uh, uh, thing here. And you just open it up, and you got this brand new deck of hero cards with all new art. And uh, it's not—it's hard to show off here, but they've, all of this gold around it is this kind of metallic, shiny gold color. So you got the paladin. Uh, what are some other cards? What is your favorite card, Adam? Uh, the rabbit prince. One. The rabbit prince. Um, so I'll just kind of—here's a cricket is a good one. Uh, we got brand new art uh, for all of these cards, and um, the peacock is is a good example of like. Let me aim right. That's, that's a very different looking fellow than we had before. Here we go, Adam. Here's your rabbit prince. 
Mm-hmm. You can see that there's a lot of the same elements, like a broken sword and an hourglass and a rabbit. But there's also other elements that are brand new that, that are um, very different than previous cards. And there's just a lot of fun, too. Like, the Teamster is, is completely different. Um, where uh, a goblin driving a goblin dog through a tangled forest and all that stuff. So uh, this, I believe, is coming out very soon, if not out already. I kind of lose track of what all is out and all that. Um, is the, the trader vision. Anyway, people get the idea. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty fun set of cards. And um, one of the things I really like about this is just it's a, way, it's a really fun sort of tactile way to build in plots and stuff like that. One of my favorite stories about that is I use a Harrow reading in an office game I was running that was for uh, an adventure that I'm going to be talking about at the end of this panel. Everybody sat, in, sat around the table and they all drew a card. And that card was basically their mascot for the campaign. And Eric Mona was playing Ostog the Unslain, who was this big, mighty fuse with a trunk covered with scars and a, a forked beard. He's a, a man's man, really tough guy. And he drew his card and he got the owl, which was kind of not really a, he wasn't the mountain man. He wasn't like, a, you know, the avalanche or something that would have made sense for a Viking from the Linnern kingdoms. But he took that and he just rolled with it. He's like, I am the owl of the north. My wisdom is unexpected. You see me and you say, he doesn't know what's going on, but he has seen things and he knows things. The owl of the north guides me. And, and it's just a really great way to just inspire your players to uh, do new things that maybe they, they wouldn't have done. And uh, an adventure path like Stolen Fate, it's kind of all built right into that whole uh, fundamental structure of everything. So. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Of course, you can play, use it for other adventures like uh, Curse of Crimson Throne or, um, you know, whatever. There's a, a fun little subsystem I put into the first adventure where you can use hero cards as sort of a stand-in for hero points. Um, but, yeah, so check that out. Uh, that one uh, finishes up here pretty soon. We've also got a standalone adventure that just came out to the Enmity Cycle, and that's all you, Adam. That is. <clears throat> Well, the Enmity Cycle came about because we often um, hear Sun Orchid Elixir anytime you talk about Thuvia. And I always thought Thuvia was far more interesting than just the Sun Orchid Elixir. It's five city-states that, you know, transfer the sail around. They've had a complicated long history being stuck between Rahadum and um, Osirian. And but all we ever hear about is the Sun Orchid Elixir and Alchemists. So I wanted to do kind of a slice of life adventure in Thuvia, and so I picked my favorite city, Lamasara, um, which is known for its arts and beauty, um, and figured that it would be a fun place to put a nice little intrigue investigation story. And in in Midi Cycle, uh, three prominent artists go missing all of a sudden, and there was like hints that they were working on a big crazy project. And they go missing. So one of their patrons uh, reaches out to the PCs and gets them to track down what's going on. Um, I don't want to give too many spoilers on that because it uh, just came out. But I will say that um, divs, which are very prominent in Thuvia, play a part. Um, and I also didn't want to bait and switch anybody thinking that they're going to get a Sun Orchid Elixir just because the word Thuvia is there. So I made the first two sentences of the adventure. Many stories about Thuvia revolve around the Sun Orchid Elixir. This isn't one of those stories. Um, <laughs> I wanted to make it clear from the get-go. Cool. Cool. All right. Uh, now oh, we're pretty much... Oh, I, yeah. I would be remiss if I did not bring up that this was written by, by Brian Duckwitz. Um, whenever I was coming up with the idea, I was trying to think of a good, solid adventure writer that... I knew, and so I reached out to Brian to see if he had time, and thankfully he had a spot in his busy schedule, and uh, he really knocked it out of the park. Uh, for a little behind-the-scenes thing, I had like a, a number of points I wanted to hit with this adventure, and had a, a more bare-bones outline than I would normally give, but I got to work back and forth with Brian to like really flesh it out, So I and I really think that that comes through. So that was it. I just wanted to give cool. a shout-out to the writer. Awesome. Shout out to all the writers. They, I mean, we couldn't do what we do without our writers, and it's huge. Um, shout out to writers throughout all industries, in fact. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, next on up, uh, we've got uh, firmly into the future stuff now. Uh, after Stolen Fate is done, and we will be heading into the deep underground. Well, maybe not so deep. Uh, the Sky King's Tomb Adventure Path. That's something I hear, John, you may have had a little bit to do with. 
or all yeah, yeah. Striking's Tomb is a three-part <laughs> adventure path. It takes you from levels one to ten, um, and it starts you off in the dwarven sky citadel of Highhelm, um, and will take you deeper and deeper underground. Um, so this is a really fun one, not only because it has some really fun uh, tie-ins into some of our Lost Omens books, such as Lost Omens Legends, as well as the uh, just about to be released Lost Omens Highhelm uh, book, but also because it's really delving into some of Dwarven legend in a way that we haven't done before. Dwarves have this thing uh, where, like about 10,000 years ago, Torag gave them a prophecy. It was like, hey, when I send the sign, everybody has to go to the surface. And they're like, you got it, Tor uh, Torag. Uh, what sort of sign is this? You'll know, you'll know. And eventually there was an earthquake. All the dwarves went, oh no, we should go to the surface. But, and it was called the Quest for Sky. Um, it was a tragic time period. It took a long while. Um, and this figure named Targic, eventually High King Targic, uh, was really important in uniting different dwarven clans in order to keep everybody focused on getting to the surface and fulfilling uh, Torag's vision. Um, now, even though dwarves, they keep great records, they live a long time, they write in stone sometimes, even so, 10,000 years is a long, long time. And that's a long time to forget things, to lose records, and even kind of mythologize this Targic figure. And so in the course of Sky King's Tomb, you're going to be learning some of this lost lore of what Targic was really doing, what he was really about, and what the, the quest for Sky really involved. Um, it opens up as you being various people being invited to Highhelm, sponsored by one of Highhelm's major dwarven clans, Clan Tolor, tied to history. And you are there as, as basically like research guests or performance arts uh, folks, or just any number of other inspirations. You might even be interested in your own personal history, and so you're hoping that they can help you out there. Um, and you're going to be uncovering bits of this mystery and becoming more and more involved in it. So one of the really key points of that, that I want to reinforce, is that Sky King's Tomb, you know, if you look at it from the outside, you might be like, this is the Dwarf AP, and you're not wrong. But on the other hand, it is not solely a Dwarf AP. It is it has so many opportunities for PCs of any ancestry to be involved, PCs of just about any class to be involved. So you're going to find a great way to get involved and connected and feel really relevant to the storyline, whether your character is a dwarf or not. Though if you are a dwarf, all the better. Um, so again, starts in Highhelm, a little bit of urban adventure. You're going to go deeper and deeper underground. You're going to see some fantastically weird sights. Um, and I think I'll be going into a little bit more of that in our Into the Darklands panel tomorrow. Um, mm. But again, levels one to 10, gonna be coming uh, out right after uh, the Soul of Vates. And uh, really excited to see how all that plays out. We should definitely mention, awesome. uh, so that we should definitely mention the authors. Uh, the first one is Mantle of Gold, which was written by our very own John Compton. Uh, and that's, <laughs> that's Adventure Path number 193. <laughs> uh, the second one, Adventure Path 194, was Cult of the Cave Worm, written by Scott D. Young. And the final book is 195, Heavy is the Crown, written by Jessica Catalan. And one of the, one of the fun things is that, you know, we have some familiar names on the others, but there's also some familiar names in the Adventure Path itself. Because the Five Kings Mountains is one of the earliest places that the Lost Omens setting like really delved deep into back in uh, Dwarves of Galarian, one of the earliest player companion books. And, um, and it's been revisited since uh, several other times. Um, if I recall, we even uh, pulled out some of those, uh, some of those <laughs> names that we've featured in, in the first edition uh, setting lore. Mm -hmm. Vanessa, do you want to talk about uh, at least one of our cameos? So one of the characters that we pulled out is a dwarf named Zomar. Uh, he is a Rivathun. Uh, Rivathun are these um, animist-style uh, dwarves. They believe that everything is a spirit. Uh, the gods are spirits. That rock is a spirit. The river is a spirit. The mountain is a spirit. Galarian is a spirit. Uh, and there's just a hierarchy of spirits. Um, can we see the, the Rivathun art, please? Uh, and... Zomar is a, a way back in there was one of these prominent Rivathun where you get to meet and interact with him during the course of this adventure path and make some new little friends along the way. Uh, no, that was a great one, but that is not it. Um, <laughs> it is, those, those are not they're the friends friend, you want to meet friend. along the way. <laughs> oh, there's the wrong friends. Oh, no. Don't make friends with that one. <laughs> yeah, that guy's great. 
That's okay. We'll see if we can find it. So much um, new friend is going to be the name of that art piece. So Number nine. New friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you got to look at some of the uh, some of the critters that you'll be also facing down throughout this adventure path. Uh, there we go. There's there we go. there's Zomar. Uh, and he's holding up his new little friend uh, who you get to meet. And uh, I remember when we were developing this, um, this is the first thing I got to work on at Paizo, by the way, so I'm super hyped. Um, I, was, I was helping John out with it. Uh, and I remember getting to this encounter and being like, John, is there going to be art of this moment? And he's like, I don't think that's in my plan. But I got to order art for some of the back matter. So I was like, great, we're doing that moment for the back matter. I don't care. That's where it's going. Um, <laughs> so this is this is one of my favorite little scenes in the entire uh, adventure um, where, where you get to help Zomar with a little water elemental spirit um, that's in uh, an, an amount of peril. Uh, and you get to help the, the spirit along um, and, and become friends with it. And uh, and I just think that's a wonderful moment because you really get to see what being a Rivathun is all about in a first-hand way, uh, treating spirits as equals uh, and respecting the the natural sort of flow and order of things. So, and, and the one thing that I'll add to that is, if you want to read more about Zomar um, before the yeah. Adventure Path comes out, you can find uh, information about him in the first edition book uh, Adventurer's Guide. It shows up in the Rivathun chapter. Super cool lore for him. Super awesome. cool lore. And and as for those other critters that we got to see, uh, yes, there are new Bloodseekers, um, including an entire Bloodseeker swarm. One or more. Uh, which, yes, looking at this art, that is terrifying. One Bloodseeker is horrible. Look how many there are. <laughs> uh We've also had an opportunity uh, to expand on the idea of cave worms. Uh, so folks are used to sort of the traditional rock-eating cave worm that, you know, travels along and, and bores out rock. We know about the crimson worms that are, uh, you know, spewing fire and lava. This is a glacial worm. Um, so if, uh, and when we get to find out about like, there's all these cave worms that we've come up with, which are awesome, but all these cave worms uh, are they different species? And you get to find out, in fact, that they are not. And there is a specific thing that happens that determines when a cave worm hatches, is it going to be a crimson worm or a glacial worm or a standard rock-eating cave worm? What's it going to be? Uh, and you get to read all about that. There's a, there's a huge ecology article that I think people will be really interested in, uh, all about cave worms. Worms. <laughs> mm, mm. Cool. <laughs> well, all you right. can imagine. Right. <laughs> book two is Cult of the Cave Worm, after all. <laughs> true. All right. Uh, so, Season of Ghosts takes us through to September, I believe. I think. Anyway, it's hard. We're, we get, we get <laughs> so, coming up next, we got this one Season of Ghosts. <laughs> uh, Season of Ghosts is a four part adventure path. It's the first time we've done something like that. Um, this is an adventure path that uh, starts at first level and takes you all the way up to 12th level. Uh, this scene here, we see uh, Feya and Korakai coming up against this mysterious ghostly barrier, the Wall of Ghosts, which is something that plays a key role in the campaign. Uh, Season of Ghosts takes place entirely in the uh, town, uh, in and around this new town called Willowshore, which is itself located in Shenmen. And um, Shenmen, of course, is, is in the middle kind of almost dead center of the continent of Tsuncha. And Shenmen is kind of the place where all of this like Asian horror story type content plays out. So that's really what this adventure path is. It's a it's a very horror horrific themed adventure path, a lot of ghosts and spooky stuff going on. Um it'll be starting I believe in October. Uh, the first volume is called The Summer That Never Was. Uh oh let me back up a little bit. Uh, Season of Ghosts oh. uh, is specifically chosen because each one of these adventures takes place over the course of three months. And the whole entire adventure path will cover an entire year of, of play. And that's in part why we are going with a four-part uh, uh, construct for it. Uh, the summer that never was starts in summer and begins with the player characters waking up after a, a, a festival that maybe got a little bit too festive and they stagger back to town and find out that some evil, strange, sinister curse has fallen over the town of Willowshore. 
and it's their hometown. The, the expectation of this entire venture path is that you're playing characters who grew up and are local to the town of Willow Shore. Uh, the Summer That Never Was is written by Sen HHS. Uh, we'll also have a pretty robust gazetteer of Willow Shore with a lot of its uh, NPCs and places you can go and explore and all of that. Um, and part of the thing that happens in The Summer That Never Was is, uh, again, I'm avoiding spoilers, uh, and I'll get into that a little bit more in a bit, but you find out that there's something that's kind of keeping you stuck in this region. You can't really go too far from Willow Shore. And uh, uh, once you, and there's monsters, there's lots of monsters all over the place. Because this is ghosts and, and, and yeah, yokai and, and Kappa living in your own sins and et cetera. Um, uh, adventure two. Uh, Adam, is, yeah, is this the first two. adventure path that we've had mod- monsters in? Because I don't remember monsters. I believe in the so. It's a, a new <laughs> technology we have. Uh, adventure two, uh, Let the Leaves Fall, takes place during, obviously, the fall, autumn, and uh, is written by Joan Hong. Uh, this adventure sees the player characters, they realize they're kind of stranded in this town, and they need to prepare for winter because they aren't going to be able to get like re- reinforcements or resources, food, and stuff like that from nearby neighbors. And so while they're helping the, the locals build up their defenses and food stores for the upcoming winter, uh, they learn more mysterious secrets might be hidden in this monastery, this old ruined monastery up in the mountains above town. And uh, so there's a significant part of this adventure where you're, making, you're walking this path up into the mountains to explore this old monastery. And uh, this one will have uh, uh, support articles about the first long night, which is a significant, uh, I believe it's a, a mid-autumn, mid, mid-fall festival that is pretty popular in Shenmin, uh, and a big article about the belief of Sangpochi, which is uh, kind of this belief in reincarnation cycles. Um, third adventure, uh, written by Eleanor Farron and Dan Cascone, uh, is called No Breath to Cry. And this one is, takes place in the winter. And uh, the winter is kind of the, the toughest season. So this is going to be a lot of like the really kind of really big time stuff is going on. And uh, you're going to maybe figure out what is exactly causing this curse that is afflicting your town. And um, this one has a article about a new kind of fiend that we are inventing specifically for this adventure path. They're called Nindorus, and they're associated with the corruption of the reincarnation cycle. And that's all I'm going to say about Nindorus at this point. And there's another article in here that is a redacted spoiler mystery article because the very topic of this article is something that if I were to tell you about, it would spoil a huge part of the adventure path. So, spoiler article. Ha! Uh, the last one is called Bloom Below the Web. This one's written by Leanne Merciel, uh, one of my favorite authors we've had in our Pathfinder novel line. Um, and this one is kind of like, sort of wraps up the entire storyline. Uh, everything seems to be kind of back to normal, but not really because there's repercussions. And uh, this is a point where you, you finally have to start uh, dealing with, um, you know, the Yoragumo, which run Shinmen, are now kind of getting involved in your politics and everything. So uh, this one also will have, of course, a Beyond the Campaign uh, article at the end of it and an article about Horrors Among Us, which looks at, like, kind of urban legends and how they might can in, impact and enhance your, your horror games. Um one other thing, I, I, I'm kind of a little bit coy about the actual plot of Season of Ghosts, because this one, I think, has got some of the biggest plot twists and surprises we've put in an adventure path ever. And um, I don't want to say too much. Once this adventure, once the first adventure comes out, we lay it all out for the GM. We're not keeping secrets from the GM. And I assume at that point, once that adventure is out in October, people will start seeing it online. But there's some big plot points going on here and one of those i guess that i will throw out there just to get out ahead of everybody and have everybody you know starting out originally is this one takes place only a couple years after the age of lost Omens begins we're going back in time about a hundred a century and this is not modern shenmen that you are playing this out you're playing this out in the shadow of like lulungwa empire just collapsed and uh, things are the, the joraguma are just now kind of taking over shenmen so it's a, our first step sort of into um not quite historical fiction, but our historical adventure past, but it's, it's, we're telling a story that is sort of already taken place in the context of all the other adventure paths. So we'll see how people enjoy that. It pretty much, I mean, you'll still have all the same options to play and everything with your characters and all that. Um, but yeah, I expect that to be something we'll, we'll have to make sure that that's front and center in the player's guide, for example. But, um, yeah, that one's, that one's a fun, fun little, uh, experiment we've uh, tried out. So. Uh, I think that's most of what I had to say about Season of Ghosts. I'm, again, 
I got this all caps thing. Talk about secret plot warning. So anyway, yeah, there's some stuff. Um, <laughs> so yeah, season of ghosts that brings us up to January of 2024 with ending with Pathfinder volume 199. But before we move on to what's happening next, we've got a standalone adventure coming out uh, later in the year. Uh, adventure called Rust Hinge. This is a uh, first to third level adventure. Here we see Lenny dealing with a, uh, a Sith Nagoth. Uh, Sith Nagoths are these sort of weird funguses, clip off funguses that come from the abyss and they get into animals. This one's growing into, I believe it was a wolf and makes it very not wolf. Uh, Rust Henge is, again, it's for first level characters. It's uh, set in New Thassalon. Part of the idea there was we wanted to show off New Thassalon as can be for low level adventures as well as for high level play. And uh, this one is actually written by somebody on this panel, isn't it, Vanessa? Is Tell it? us about writing Ooh. Rust Henge. Yeah. You. I thought this was written by a hack. Oh, then no. it was. Um. <laughs> written by a very talented so, author. I had the pleasure of writing Rust Henge. Uh, it's a really fun adventure. Uh, you are a member of this town called Osprey Bay that was... Uh, that was founded by a bunch of escaped uh, prisoners and such from Riddleport. They hijacked a ship and they found a place to live, um, led by these uh, these two siblings, this brother and sister pair, and they established this little tiny town called Osprey Bay. And then generations, uh, you know, or, or years later, I should say, the brother decides, this is a little too commune, hippy-dippy for me. I'm going to go and establish my own better town uh, just down the shore called Iron Harbor because we're Goramites and we think Gorham is cool. And so for years, there's this weird rivalry between these two towns. Well, you get to be uh, a PC, uh, someone who grew up in Osprey Bay uh, or, or is visiting or what have you, who gets commissioned to go find out about strange happenings in Iron Harbor. Uh, and one of the notable things about Iron Harbor is that there's this a Thunderhead Isle. There's this island uh, just off the coast, a little, little tiny island, um, but it has this strange old structure on it that people think is haunted called Rusthenge. That's these seven giant twisted metal spires that reach into the sky uh, and sailors uh, typically try to stay away from it. Uh, and for some reason, the Iron Harbor folks moved over there. There were some ruins and stuff they took over. Uh, and you get to go over there and find out what's going on that's uh that's troubling iron harbor and and not only stop the evil terrible plot tm uh, but also help to reestablish relations between these two uh these two towns that for a long time had been at odds with each other so uh, it's it's a really fun adventure it has some investigation uh lots of good role play uh some dungeon crawling through old Thessalonian ruins uh, i think it's going to be a really good one for uh for first to third level pcs for folks that just want to give a, a shot to to pathfinder or for long-term players who are looking to explore a little of new Thessalon. so new and old it should be a really good adventure yeah i just actually realized too um kind of this has some shared dna with malevolence a little bit an adventure i wrote a couple years ago um mm. malevolence and rust hinge are both adventures that i inflicted upon a group here at paizo that included uh, adam and john i believe and a couple other folks um this for well, yeah. malevolence is very much what i inflicted on them including the uh, vampiric mist that i think scared i think it was adam or that was john Everybody, yeah, Rust Henge uh, is is the idea of like this is a dungeon filled with rust themes is something that I mm -hmm. always wanted to explore, and I converted an old D and D adventure actually to kind of fill in the gaps here, and use that uh, for uh, John and Adam and other folks to explore. But I didn't obviously couldn't do that. We can't we can't just republish a D and D adventure, so hired uh, Vanessa to basically say, hey, here's the idea. It's, it's this sort of rusty Stonehenge on top with a dungeon beneath. Go from there. And um, it's a brand new thing. So, John, yeah, you and Adam can play through this, and there's no spoilers in this one, like there was for Malevolence, I guess is what I'm saying. That, that's well, probably that's the thing, yeah, because my experience with every single one of James's campaigns so far is that he finds some way to inflict terrible, gross misfortune upon all of my hapless characters. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, like, you just have like having rats down your character's mouth. Yeah, there were rats. Yes, there was, yes, yeah. I do remember yeah. how 
James decided to try and illustrate what a fortitude save to avoid nausea meant for a swarm. Yeah. <laughs> it just made sense at the time. Anyway. It, it's good because we have, that. we have developers who then go through these adventures and ensure that those bits aren't there to horribly scar all of our very mm. beloved customers. So you're going yeah, to be able to experience all the good bits of Rust Engine. Well, one thing yeah, I should yeah, mention. <laughs> one thing I should mention about Resthenge, though, is because it was specifically designed so that it would be a good starting point for folks that are new to Pathfinder 2nd Edition, I would say that the encounters skew less difficult overall. That's not to say that there aren't severe encounters, but most of them are going to be low or moderate, a couple trivial in there, even for low-level characters. So it really allows you to get your feet under you as a player and learn the system uh, if, if that's what you need to do. Uh, but there are still horrible, terrifying things to curse your players with. So, you know, fun. Yay! Uh, cool. So that's Rust Henge. Uh, after that, we uh, go back to the Adventure Path line. And uh, as I mentioned before, uh, January wraps up Season of Ghosts. February, there's nothing going on. We are not letting you have any Adventure Paths. There's no Adventure Path content in February. Because in March, we're doing a 200-page Adventure Path. So everything happens all at once. In, uh, in March, and that is Pathfinder 200, a venture path called uh, Seven Dooms for Sandpoints. And we've got art here of that cover of one of those dooms kind of happening in Sandpoint. This is not necessarily what will happen, but if your characters mess up, Sandpoint's going to mm. burn down, and the Sandpoint Devil's going to be maybe the reason why it burns down. And so uh, Seven Dooms for Sandpoint. Oh, let's uh, get the other cover stuff here. We've got uh, the, the cover character uh, on this one as well. Who is sort of a some folks who have been following along Sandpoint lore will recognize Kanker, uh, the ghast alchemist, as one of these conspirators who's manipulating events behind the scenes, etc. He's not a not a friendly guy. And uh, since this one's sort of a, a unusual case where we're doing a 200 page soft cover version, we're also going to be doing a 200 page hardcover version with an alternate cover. And that one is, uh, we showed off at the start of the keynote, but that one shows, rather than just one of the potential dooms lurking in, Chan in Sandpoint, we show several of the dooms. And here they all are, kind of lined up, ready Ooh. for your player that's, that's That's probably an encounter that is an extreme encounter for any of the levels in this group, so in this adventure, so. <laughs> but it could Don't happen, fight all the bosses at once. Got it. Yeah. Uh, Seven Dunes for Sandpoint, uh, I wrote this adventure. It's based on a campaign that I ran for the office uh, way back in the day. And uh, you start at fourth level and you'll go to 11th level. In fact, if you do everything through the entire campaign, you'll probably be 12th level in a couple of the final encounters. Uh, it's returned to the town of Sandpoint where uh, we started Pathfinder Adventure Path back in Burnt Offerings. And in a lot of ways, this adventure is sort of a sequel to Burnt Offerings. In that it starts with uh, Absalor Xantus, who's the local cleric of Desna. Uh, he's been feeling this guilt and shame at how uh, the town of Sandpoint treated this uh, woman, Noalia, who was an Azimar who grew up in town and everybody kind of just treated her awfully because of like, oh, she's so beautiful. She must, you can rub her hair to get good luck. And she had her adopted father, uh, who was the previous uh, uh, priest in town, was just very overprotective and she had all of these awful things happen that basically resulted in burnt offerings her becoming the main villain of that adventure path or that adventure and uh father xantus absolute xantus is looking to use a call spirit spell to contact Nualia spirit and basically he wants to apologize to her to let her know hey i'm sorry and sandpoint is sorry uh we did this to you um it was we just wanted to let you know and he's Goes and in order to cast a call spirit ritual, of course, you need a belonging or a part of that body. And um, so he exhumes her, her, her remains from the local graveyard and finds out her grave is empty and there's a tunnel going down under her grave into the underground. And that's when he realizes uh, this we need we need help. So he calls on the player characters to go investigate, and it goes from there pretty much with um. The PCs finding there's these conspiracies going on in town. One of the jokes that has been going around since very, very start is like Sandpoint's had no luck. It's always been attacked by goblins and then by dragons and then there's like a tsunami and all this stuff just hits Sandpoint. And um, there is a reason why that is uh, all going on. And this adventure path is about the player characters discovering that reason and hopefully putting a stop to that that whole conspiracy that has been festering in the back uh, in the, the backwaters of Sandpoint all this time. Um, 
people who have read uh, Burnt Offerings played through it. People who have read the Sandpoint soft cover we did last uh, many years ago. A lot of the basic elements in this adventure path are kind of in there. So there's going to be spoilers more than, more often than not. This is an adventure that we've kind of been hinting at through a, uh, out a lot of progs over the years. And uh, but it's also one that I I really wanted to get out there to share with folks for a long time because it's it's sort of a just like kind of Abomination Vault was like, here's how I envision a mega dungeon working, but still having a lot of fun role-playing and interaction. This one is very much, at its heart, a mega dungeon exploration, but you're going back and forth to town, and there's all sorts of like stuff that you have to do in town to manage, because uh, uh, with various factions who are all have at odds with each other, and they're all trying to you know, use your party as either to blame them for things or to capitalize on them. Um, should be a lot of fun. Again, that one's a giant, uber, uber oversized, two hundred page beast out in March. After that, uh, in April, we will be talking about more stuff. I believe at Gen Con. So come back to this version of this panel at Gen Con, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. But that's pretty much uh, <laughs> what we've got going on. We've got some time though to talk about uh, some questions. So if people want to start throwing questions into uh, Twitch chat. We, uh, we'll start answering. Ooh, ooh, Adam. Me. I'm going to interrupt. Um, <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to, to clarify some stuff I saw in chat. Um, somebody was speculating Red Mantis in the um, Seven Dooms for Sandpoint. That is not the case. Um, I think they were looking at the figure that was on the right side of the hardcover cover and thinking it was Red Mantis. And that is not, mm. that is in fact the Red Bishop, I believe. A different thing. Yeah. There's definitely, um, so that, that picture there, you got a. Again, okay, I'll do a little bit of spoilers here. You got down at the bottom a goblin grave knight. And a lot of these aren't actually spoilers if you've been reading Sandpoint lore all along. So at the bottom, you've got a goblin <laughs> grave knight. At the top, you've got the Sandpoint devil. At the left, you've got Kanker, a ghoul alchemist, cultist of Kabriri, the demon lord of ghouls. And on the right, you've got the red bishop, which is a mothman cultist of Pazuzu. Um, you'll note that the title is Seven Dooms for Sandpoint, and that's for characters there so there are three other things going on at least uh that your player characters are gonna have to deal with um cool so there's a couple of questions that have already popped into um the chat here i'll, I'll get those done real quick and then start farming out other ones to folks here um really course asks will willisher get a mechanical gazetteer like otari did with abomination Ball? yes absolutely uh that's a type of, and, and so will sandpoint and seven dunes for sandpoint um that's a type of uh way we're doing villages i think now that i think is really fun where every major location has like opportunities for earning income or getting you know earning the favor of the major npcs there and all of that so yeah willisher will absolutely have that uh in the first volume and <clears throat> since pretty much the entire adventure path takes place in willisher that makes that volume super important because you're gonna have to go back to it a lot uh, another one real quick uh, name brand juice. Uh, do you have to play all seasons of Season of Ghosts in order, or can you just play one? Uh, you can always just play one of any of our adventure paths for sure. We we each of our adventure paths kind of has its its own sort of internal story that you can tell and stop uh, uh, as it stands. But you do have to play them if you want to play it as a campaign. It's very very important, and for reasons I can't get into, why it starts in summer and goes summer, fall, winter, spring. So yeah, you do have to play them in order, I guess is what I'm saying. Blue Saber asks, why do I hate the people of Sandpoint? <laughs> I don't. I love the people of Sandpoint. Sandpoint is based on my hometown. Uh, the people who live there are not based on people I know, but the vibe of Sandpoint is very much where I grew up. And, and it's it's a place that I, I, I really love. And um, the it's not so much that I hate them, but uh, if you are an adventurer, you need reasons to go on adventures. And if Sandpoint were a happy, you know, comfortable town where nothing bad ever happened and no awful people lived, um, that would make a terrible place for adventurers. To, there would be no reason for adventurers. So it's not my fault. It's you player characters made it awful because I had to make Sandpoint a dangerous place to satiate your ravenous need to go murder monsters and take their stuff. It's not my fault. It's all of you out there. All right. Uh, let's see here. Here's a question from King Roll, K number one in Roll. Will there be accessories <laughs> for a Adventure Path 200? Um, not really. It's kind of self-contained. It's a big old 200-page book. Um, I mean, yeah, it's pretty self-contained. It's not going to have like the Hero Deck is, is an accessory for um, 
uh, stone fate or, or high helm as an accessory, I guess, for Sky King's tombs. Uh, this one is, is pretty self-contained. I mean, I guess the Sandpoint softcover book we released way back when uh, would be very, very, very helpful. I tried to make sure that it was self-contained, but if you want to go beyond what's what's expected, that won't be super helpful. Um, all right, here's one for everybody. So we'll start with Vanessa. What is your favorite adventure path? Uh, like of all time? That's a yes. big question. I will... I don't know. I, I'm currently... How about this? I'll say this. I don't know about it, my favorite of all time, but I'm currently playing Ruby Phoenix, and I absolutely love it. It is high-level, silly anime kung fu fight shenanigans, and that is just so much fun because you don't really have to take anything seriously. I mean, you can, but you don't have to. You can just be silly and off the wall, and it totally fits the the flavor of the adventure path. So right now, that one's my favorite. It'll change next week. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> John, what's your favorite? Uh, I really enjoy things like War for the Crown. I'm always a big fan of intrigue, uh, heist adventures, little bits of political machinations, and um, also adventure paths that kind of stay in one place long enough for you to really develop the character of, of a location um, over the course of several volumes. Adam, what's your favorite? Uh, it's hard to pick favorites, but I'm going to go back to Reign of Winter. Um, that was the first adventure path that I got to have real input on as an employee. And um, it's a great combination of fairy tale stuff and crazy, hey, let's see if we can do World War One Russia in a volume, yeah. It was it was a great combo of madness. Nice. Uh, it's hard for me to pick one because it's like pick your favorite kid and pick one that isn't going to make everybody else feel left out or something like that. So I'm going to self indulge myself and say Pathfinder 200 is currently my favorite. It's a story that I, I've been had in my head forever, and I'm just excited to finally get it out there. So that one is is my current favorite. Um. Let's see. Oh, here's one I can put to rest quick. Are we going to learn anything about Aroden? If Aroden was involved in Tian Sha or the Lunghua Empire, uh, yeah, I can tell you that right now. He's not. Aroden is an inner sea dude. He's got nothing to do with Tian Sha. Tian Sha is its own thing. Uh, the Age of Lost Omens, uh, the, the whole events of Age of Lost Omens with like prophecy going weird and, and storms racking the entire world. Um, that uh, the, the way that that whole time of unrest and change manifested in Tian Sha was the collapse of the Lunghua Empire, basically, which is this huge empire that stopped being a huge empire and everything kind of fell into uh, not, not not so much chaos, but it's just like it's a changing of, of the political setup of the entire place. So uh, TRGD11 asks, will the new Sandpoint map show 18 years of changes or be kind of the same? Um, I'm not sure exactly. I think we're doing a new map, um, but it's it's mostly the same town. I mean, it's it's been 18 years. There's been some updates, like some of the people are are older, and there's there's other elements. Like there's there's one of the subplots is that it's coming up on an election time, so maybe there's a possibility for uh, the PCs to help you know figure out who is the new mayor of Sandpoint and all that. But the topography and the the town itself is pretty much unchanged. I mean, we had this big sinkhole open up in the middle of the town that got filled in and and fixed up. So uh, I don't think the final maps are in yet, though. So I'm I'm not sure exactly how it, it's going to be very very familiar, which is by design. It's supposed to be a celebration of 200 nonstop months of doing Pathfinder and going back to the start of it all. Uh, are there any new subsystems in any of these upcoming adventure paths? Anything in Sky King's Tomb? Sky King's um, Tomb uses a lot uh, of Sky existing. Is that there aren't any new subsystems, but there are several subsystems that we have shown off in some of our uh, books that are going to be featuring in there. Uh, the biggest one that I can say right now is that the Game Mastery Guide introduced a relics subsystem. And over the course of Sky King's Tomb, you will be recovering some uh, culturally important relics that you'll be able to carry with you, upgrade, and grow alongside. Yeah, that's that's a great answer. We we don't really do subsystems in adventure paths as much anymore, but feature subsystems that show up in the rule books, which is again by design. Um, there's a subsystem in a recent hardcover that plays a key role in Season of Ghosts that I can't talk about because it's a spoiler. <laughs> um, but also, uh, 
uh, I guess Stolen Fate has, a, has this whole Harrow is sort of a subsystem where you use Harrow cards that you recover to build your own sort of extra dimensional fortress that you hide out in. Um, question, is mystery a main theme for these upcoming adventure paths? And if so, that might imply things to come, perhaps. Um, I don't think so. These are all pretty self-contained adventure paths that aren't trying to really seed forward plot lines. Um, Season of Ghosts has for sure got a lot of mystery in it. But a lot of that mystery is just the fact that it's what it's about is not what I just told you about. There's you'll have to play it to figure out what's going on in season of ghosts. But it's it's pretty self-contained. Um, Seven Dunes for Sandpoint goes the other direction. It solves a bunch of long-term stories and mysteries we've been working with. So not really, I guess. Uh, Zertigan ninety nine asks, does Amika's half sister from Adventure Path one hundred dwell in Sandpoint? She's she lives. She's elsewhere. She's not moved into Sandpoint. Um, uh, so uh, that Rusty Dragon, which uh, she once upon a time ran, is now run by her, uh, uh, oh, what's her name? The little halfling grandma. Bert, I forget her name now. Uh, Bertrand. Bertina? Bert, yeah. Bertina, that's it. She runs the place now. She's maybe sort of inspired by my own grandmother, who I adored and uh, got me into reading Stephen King when I was nine years old. So Chat um, to the rescue. It's Bertana, James. Bertana, that's it. Yay, Chad, Brianna Corwin. Um, question: uh, Possibly to revisit older adventure paths a la Kingmaker. Um, redoing like old adventure paths and and republishing them like that. We did uh, with a Kingmaker or Abomination Vaults or Ruby Phoenix. That's something we will keep doing now and then, but it's not something that really. You may have noticed earlier this year we had a a uh, significant event. That happened in the gaming industry and it kind of threw things our schedule into sort of a topsy-turvy land so we've been doing a lot of other stuff lately and uh, that's actually one thing that i turned over the the uh adventure for seven dunes for sandpoint to adam i think on the first or second day of january or or maybe third anyway it was a week later that the whole ogl uh situation happened and it looked like there was going to be the OGO was going to get decommissioned and all that. And that basically would have turned Seven Dunes for Sandpoint into something we would have never published because it's so much mired in nostalgia and looking backward and into what we've done before that it was going to be very difficult to try to do that in a way that didn't rely on, on the OGL. There's, there's mimics in there. There's, there's driders. There's all sorts of stuff in there that are like, anyway, you'll see. So anyway, I kind of rambled there a little bit. Uh... <laughs> What is going okay, to make us fall in jump. love? Yay! What's what's going to make us fall in love with uh, Sky King's tomb? You want to start this one, Vanessa? Sure. Um, what's going to? Well, first of all, there's Zomar and Zomar's new friend. Uh, but you, I've already talked about that. Um, there's there's a lot of context given to this quest for sky that we've seen we find a lot of uh, details about what happened what the fallout was from the dwarves sort of just charging through all this territory in the dark lands um there's there's a lot to there's a lot to love there there's a lot of really interesting things going on uh, what do you have to say john <laughs> um one of the things that i'll uh, say is that I mean, I, I, I've cited before that I really love urban adventures and urban sandboxes, and there's yes. there's a surprising amount of that that shows up in the course of Sky King's Tomb. And whenever we're going to one of these places, we're always highlighting, like, what are the weird things, what's the weird context that makes this place special that's going to not only create some new adventure ideas, but also just throw a wrench into the expectations of how PCs behave and have to navigate a society. So, like, we start at High Helm, which is fairly mundane compared to some of the other places we go, but, you know, maybe you're heading to some places where, like, currency does not work the same way that you expect, or etiquette is completely turned on its head, or the architecture is such that you poor unfortunate soul with your mere legs and lack of wings, um, how are you even going to navigate here? So, like, whenever there are new places, especially in a fantasy RPG, I love poking at like, how can we give this place its own identity? That's just enough of a speed bump to players uh, experiencing it, where they have to pause and think, whoa, how do we handle this without, you know, ruining their fun or, or, or the progress of the adventure, but they have to just kind of incorporate that and be like, wow, this place is really memorable and really impressive. And Sky King's Tomb has several really fun sites that do that. Cool. Um... 
almost out of time. There's a couple things I want to uh, wrap up and mention. Uh, one thing with, with um, Summon Dooms for Sandpoint starting at fourth level, uh, the idea there is that you can play pretty much any first through third level adventure and then bring your characters into Seven Dooms for Sandpoint. Uh, Rust Henge is a perfect example. There's actually some built-in links between those two adventures. Uh, the mm-hmm. Beginner Box is a great place to uh, start with as well. Um, there's also... Um, Somebody asked, uh, King Roll asked, uh, any plans to visit Sarkoris any time in the future? Uh, not really, but we just went there in Gatewalkers. So check out the second volume of Gatewalkers. It has Sarkoris stuff, I believe. Or am I thinking of the wrong place? I think that's Sarkoris. Anyway. Anyway. Um, and, the oh, X-World wound. <laughs> yeah, the X-World wound. Yeah, you, we definitely go there in the second Gatewalker. Okay, sure. cool. One, one quick thing jumping to mind, James. You said um, yeah. seven points that starts at, at fourth level. Yeah. Um, you want to just make a quick little comment about how some of our adventures are starting at different levels and some of them end at very strategic yeah. levels? Yeah, uh, we're moving away from starting every adventure path at first level and starting to go into sort of more what works for the story itself. And we're trying to pick levels that, that segue perfectly into other things that we're going to be doing um, and uh, coming up. So we'll talk more about this, I think, I guess, in Gen Con for sure. And uh, mm-hmm. but it's definitely when we are picking our level ranges for our adventures, there are specific reasons we're doing that. I don't want to. I don't want to get too much into that, uh, but but there's definitely a a plot that we've got going on there. Um, another one last thing I want to mention too is uh, with the remaster going on. Um, for the immediate future, all of the adventures we're talking about here are OGL adventures. They're not going to have remaster. They're not going to be orc adventures anything. Like Even though some of them are going to be coming out after those remastered books are out, that's just a uh, kind of the laws of time and space. Since we're finishing these adventures right now, we don't actually have the remastered rules to work with. And so there's going to be this sort of time lapse between the the remaster uh, being out there for everyone and our adventures fully going into those rules. But good news there is it's the same game. It's all backwards compatible and everything. It's still second edition Pathfinder, so you can use all of your remastered characters or vice versa in any of these adventures. So we're pretty much out of time. I'm James Jacobs, uh, narrative creator director for Pathfinder. I'm a social media hermit. You can find me lurking now and then on the, the Reddit boards for Pathfinder 2E and, of course, at Pfizer.com. Uh, where can we find you, Vanessa? The uh, best place to find me is going to be on Twitter at NinjaCatVanessa. I'm on there way too much, even though it is a terrible place now. Uh, but you can also come ask me questions in the AMA on the Paizo Events Discord server. Rad. What about you, John? Uh, you can occasionally find me on Twitter at Archeotog. Um I also hang out on the Pathfinder and Starfinder uh, and Discords on, uh, on Discord, and uh, occasionally on the Paizo.com message boards. Um, and I also, like Vanessa, have an AMA thread uh, happening for PaisaCon weekend. And Adam. Hello. I also have an AMA, and I also am limiting my <laughs> social media presence. But I hear that if you whisper to any friendly insect, there's a chance it might bring me the message. So, Ooh, That's good to know. Cool. Well, thank you all for helping uh, talk about adventures, and thank you, everybody, for coming by to ask questions and to uh, for, for buying our adventures and playing them, because uh, again, we're coming up on 200 contiguous months of Adventure Path, and we wouldn't have been able to do that if, if folks didn't play our game and play our adventures. So thank you, everybody, and have fun with the rest of PaizoCon. Here comes the next panel. Thank you for joining us for this installment of the PaizoCon Online 2023 Seminar Coverage, brought to you by Paizo and the No Direction Network. For more great gaming podcasts, visit NoDirectionPodcast.com.